Welcomes and welcome to Stamper Cinema. As always, I am your host. My name is Andrew. Thank you very much for downloading this latest episode. And we've got something fun. We got something we're going to be doing that we haven't done before. We're not going to be talking about a movie. Well, actually, we're going to be talking about a lot of movies. But more specifically, we're going to be talking about the film soundtracks, actually. We're going to be dedicating this entirely. (laughs) We're going to be dedicating this entire episode to soundtracks, right? Your your breakfast clubs or your pretty in pinks or your let's do something a little bit more contemporary, your reality bites or your uh, empire records or what's what's the nineties. How about, do I have anything from like this past decade? I don't know. Almost famous. Uh, that was from 2000 garden state, right? We're gonna be talking about that type of stuff and sure. We'll probably get into uh, Kenny Loggins, right? Because that guy was the master of doing music for, for films we may even get into Eminem, you know, Lose Yourself, which is arguably, again, arguably one of the, the biggest uh, original songs for a film. But then, of course, you've got I Will Always Love You by Whitney Houston. But I guess that isn't really original because that was originally written by Dolly Parton, right? But, I mean, she, she changed that song. So, you know, we're going to be talking about a lot of it. Original songs, soundtracks, movie montages, because the 80s were notorious for, for instilling a montage with a song, right? And to do that, we're going to have an old friend back to the show. So we're going to have John here in just a moment. So you know, John, you love John. And I'm excited to see where this conversation is going to go because he and I haven't chatted on here in, in a minute. I guess that's maybe a really good natural segue to kind of uh, have a, I don't know, a Stamper Cinema State of the Union address. Now, some of you may already know, but I lost my father about, about two months ago, almost two months to the date exact. We're about a month and a half away, but by the time this releases, yeah, I guess not quite. I mean, I don't know. Time timing is a little strange, but it's been about two months since I last recorded an episode. And it's been it's been a it's been a not even a whirlwind of emotions. It's just been one shitty emotion after the next. Right. I mean, I I lost him rather quickly, rather unexpectedly. And um, it's been a bummer. It's been hard uh, to say the least. And. You know, I'm still having good days. I'm, I'm having bad days probably have more bad days than good days to be perfectly fair, but, but I'm okay. And, and the time felt right to get in front of you and, and do another episode. I said, 2022 would look a little bit different and, and it certainly is. This wasn't necessarily the way that I envisioned 2022 shaping out, but here we are. And And yeah, and I do want to take a a second to say thank you to everybody that did reach out to me that that have offered condolences. Um, I want to take a moment to really send a special shout out to the the team over at Stream Lounge and where I do my my virtual movie parties um, Thursday nights, sometimes on the weekends. But they've been great. They um, have been very, very supportive. And many of you that don't necessarily uh, watch my 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 watch parties on on Stream Lounge, but those who have who have texted or called, I see and I hear you, and I'm very very appreciative. You guys are the best. And you know maybe there are some of you that don't know, but that's okay. I mean, if you if you want to 
hear a little bit about it off air. I'm more than willing to to share the story. I don't think this is necessarily the forum to really get into, um, you know, my, my dad's passing. Uh, if you are wondering, it was cancer. I don't want to really, like I said, bog too much time talking about it on this podcast, but it sucks. And many smarter people and more, more eloquent people have said before me, but it bears uh, definitely repeating fuck cancer, fuck, double fuck, triple fuck cancer. Cancer can fuck right off. And, and yeah, it, it sucks. It sucks. And if I may offer any piece of advice, because I, I won't dare say wisdom, but any piece of advice, you know, find somebody you love and give them a hug, you know, give them a big, strong hug, let them know that, that you love them and, you know, be good to your family. You know, you only, you only get one, be good to your friends, be good to people. Right. Uh, I believe it was Bill and Ted who said, be excellent to each other. Right. So let's be excellent to each other. And that's it. That's all I'm going to go in. Let's transition into this episode. I'm really excited to see where this episode is going to go. Again, we've got, we've got John Rowe coming. It'll be a lot of fun. Very, very unpredictable. I've got a ton of notes, but of course, naturally when John and I start talking notes go completely out the window. So we may start talking about soundtracks, but for all I know, John Rowe very well might just start cutting into songs about five minutes into this podcast. We'll see. We'll see. But I'm excited. Hopefully we're going to have a good, good little chat along the way. Um, Many of you reached out to me on Twitter to share some of your favorite soundtracks and your favorite songs and movie montages. I'm going to try to get through all of those. If I don't, I don't know. There might even be a part two to this episode. I don't know. I've had I've had some people that that seem excited that maybe they want to get in on this, uh, get in on this action. I don't know. We'll see. But I'll try to get through what I can. But if I don't or if I miss you. I still love you. I still love you. But that's about it for now. Let's. Let's get into a a little fun, by the way. Hello, Katie. Hello to all our viewers. well, let me let me first let me first introduce you. Oh, sorry. What are we starting? We'll we'll start right now. Cool. But before that, I just want people to know I love the drums in the, your intro. <laughs> it pumps me up every time, dude. I love that. I love that. And welcoming back to the show is our our longtime almost co-host if you will and of course that would be mr johnny bones john Rowe, man how are you long time no chat hey thanks for having me back everybody um i've been great wonderful wonderful you look well thank you thank you uh well tottenham won today 5-0 um anybody who's been following tottenham this season they basically won and lost uh every other game Basically, it's peaks and valleys for your team. Peaks and valleys. Yeah. Yeah. Well, meanwhile, my team have won eight of the last 10. They're looking good. They have games in hand against the people above them. I don't know if you're going to make top four. I don't think we're going to make top four. The The wild thing is, even if we lose the, the three games in hand that we have, we're still in fourth place. Yeah. It's wild. <laughs> it's wild. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but... 
but, but nobody really yeah, that's nobody not cares. Why people, nobody cares. Nobody, comes, nobody cares. Yeah. Nobody why in. people are listening today is because we're doing something completely different to this show, something that we haven't done. And Can we tie it in though? Like, what's your favorite? All right, spoiler. Song. We're going to be talking about songs today. We are. We are talking about songs. We're talking about soundtracks. When you think about Arsenal Football Club, is there a song that comes to mind? When I think uh, Sweet Caroline. I think it's Sweet Caroline. That's a good one. Uh, Yeah, I mean, that's probably the one. Yeah, Sweet Caroline. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I think of that one. Obviously, when I think of Liverpool, I think of You'll Never Walk Alone. Sure. Um. Um, over the weekend, when ever oh, I've got my AC in, going, keep chatting. I'm just gonna kill my AC. Keep going. Sure. Well, all I was gonna say is over the weekend, Everton played Man City and to bring it in the game, and they had the song, uh, "It's Not Heavy, You're My Brother," and it was it was cool. It's fun. Like I love how European football like incorporates music, even in like Spain. Like they have like the yellow submarine and they're not even, they don't even, they're, they speak Spanish. I don't even know if they have submarines in Spain. Yeah. But uh, anyways, we're here to talk about music today. Is that, is that why you brought me here today? It is because I do know that you love some music and I, I could, I could, I could go for chatting about some music. Obviously, you know, on this podcast, we've talked about, a lot of things over the past uh, two years. And one thing that we haven't really gotten into is the, the music element, whether original songs, like what we're talking today for motion picture soundtracks or another episode that I probably will do as well. Talking about specifically like film scores, I think is something else would, would be a lot of fun, would be a good conversation. But today I thought it'd be fun to talk about songs and soundtracks and see where that conversation goes because i mean we're kind of like shooting from the hip on this one i mean we've we've never done this this is just gonna be an opportunity to talk about something that we both really love which is music and music and films well let me shoot first okay you know like one of the things i talked to you about is like this is not going to be a conversation about musicals or um you know Disney movies, you know, this is one about just straight soundtracks and how the more I thought about more how directors are able to incorporate movies. Like it was hard for me to figure out a way to talk about a guy like Guy Ritchie in a movie like Snatch versus someone like Christopher Nolan in inception when he's just taking the same song and just stringing it out like but what we're talking about is art here uh, hopefully but also what i do want to talk about is days confused and songs that have good soundtracks um i want to talk about how mtv played a role in my life in the 90s of uh basically put a soundtrack to every cool little video you ever saw sure at some point yeah no absolutely that'll be fun you you're older than I am. <laughs> can confirm. Can confirm that. Bit. So, do you feel like guys like John, what he, you know, John Hughes, you know, John like Hughes, yeah, the guys in the '80s played a factor into the '90s and how music was going to portray a movie. How you need to have a hit song 
to go with your movie. Did the eighties influence the nineties and how a each movie had to have a soundtrack? Yeah, I, I think I think there's definitely something to that, simply for the fact that the eighties changed the game in how films were marketed. Now, for the longest time, obviously, music has always played a part in films, right? I mean, they didn't really, you know, the 80s didn't discover that. And the 90s certainly didn't discover that. But, I mean, shit, you know, the 1960s, Simon and Garfunkel with the, you know, with uh, The Graduate, right? I mean, that was something that was huge. Breakfast in, uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's, you had, I forget the name of that song that was in that movie. Not Breakfast at Tiffany's, that was a 90s song. But the film itself, uh, I forget the name of, forget the name of the music. But music has always, always been such a a vital part. But what the 80s did was uh, learned, and this is, you know, kind of a shout out to callback of a Keith Coogan episode where we learned that (laughs) is that kids were going to see movies. Kids were profitable. So to start making movies starring kids or young, young adults, there, there was definitely an appeal for that. And to use kind of the phrase that he says, they were liquid, right? So the 80s ushered in a new era where we were making films catering toward teens and then using music that, that teens were into. So John Hughes was very much, um, you know, a part of that. But it still even predates him because what Fast Times at Ridgemont High was really early and that had an iconic film score. I had Diane Franklin on the show last year and she did the, the movie Last American Virgin, which I believe even predates Fast Times at Ridgemont High. And that movie had tons of tons of songs. I think that I think there were like the police and the clash and you know uh the cars and all the different the bands, right? You so they definitely had that, but so it's still kind of all all ties into that, but the '80s did usher in a new a new era. I think MTV ushered in. And yeah, MTV as well a played a major environment. Sure. You know, whether yeah. you look at American Pie, Varsity Blues, one of the best ones somebody recommended me after listening to it was great. Cruel Intentions. Cruel Good Intentions, album. yeah. That was yeah. a massive soundtrack. Uh, even just to switch platforms or like genres, I mean. Dangerous Minds, right? Coolio, you know, that was, you know, just even on the hip hop side. And then the 80, you know, late 80s, do the right thing with Public Enemy, you know, fight the power. Um, you know, I mean, so MTV obviously was a, was a massive, massive influence. But ever since the very first film with, with audio, right? The jazz singer back in, what is it, like 1927, right? I mean, the first time we ever had audio. Music was a part of it. And shit, even silent films where you couldn't hear anything, they had like piano numbers and everything, right? But for like original songs, I mean, it goes back to the jazz singer. Roll forward to the Marvel movies. The things people like about Guardians of the Galaxy is the soundtrack. Mm -hmm. You know, Guardians of the Galaxy has a great soundtrack. I mean, lovable characters, but the soundtrack's great. My mom loves it. It's funny that you brought up the the Guardians of the Galaxy because I did reach out to some people just to see what their what their favorite soundtracks were and there were a couple people that actually referenced guardians of the galaxy but there i've got a buddy uh, shout out to shout out to to dev 
uh, Dev's Nerd Cave, he, he he made a little nod to Guardians of the Galaxy, and I believe somebody else also referenced it. So I mean that. Yeah, that's this is a great album. If we if we're at one of your parties where you're hosting, you're like John, your DJ, and I just went to YouTube and played it. You'd be like, John's playing the hits tonight. John's playing John the hits. Is, John is really playing this, but it really just he's didn't. feeling it. He's feeling yeah. it. Yeah. But that's Guardians of the Galaxy one, not two. Two's good too. Um, but but that was something that added those movies. It was mm-hmm. cool within that genre. Like, what was Guardians going to bring to it? They brought they brought their A game on the music. Right. Thor kind of did it. You know, like Iron Man brought back the culture. You know, I guess. Anyways, I don't want to get off top topic on the music scene, but like, otherwise, that's what they were credited towards, and they had good music. Yeah. Now, this it still all ties back. And again, I, I, you know, just another little like reference to Keith Coogan, because he did say it, you know, as far as we learned in the 80s that that kids were liquid. Right. I mean, their money was there. MTV learned that, too. And that's where like the that whole revolution of music videos and how how films were marketed. Mm-hmm. And that only blew up and continued to increase until, well, basically MTV stopped doing, you know, music videos in the way that we. That we know I of think it. all you have to do is look at TRL and how they're taking 40 seconds of a music clip of a video to just try to feed it out to the masses. Right. right. I don't want, you know, honestly, I think Carson Daly is one of the coolest dudes who ever lived. Yeah, I don't <laughs> even know, man. I can't, I'm not saying I'm jealous of him, but like, <laughs> I think Carson Daly has done okay with his life, you know? I think he's done okay. I think yeah, he's done like, okay. I think he worked for a system where they were like, pump out these music videos and he had to go sit there in front of a camera just going, and listen to, you know, this thing for 20 seconds. Right. And that, right. Yeah, and that, that was basically the end of it. That mm-hmm. was the end of the MTV and whatever. Now, I know in our discussion, we're not going to really spend any time talking about musicals and we're not going to talk about Disney. There still is a discussion to be had. Pardon me? Oh, sorry. Well, you're going to say a discussion to be had. But I was going to say also, like, no movies like uh, Eight Mile with Eminem or Pure Country with George Strait or, like, I don't want um, films about singers who are singing within the films mm. like uh, lady gaga had uh, a star is born recently it's I mean, like shit, that's, that's not even the first time a star is born was made right i mean that was like the third or fourth adaptation of that film well i also i just don't want our listeners to think that those they might be nominated and they they go oh is it going to be number one is it i've been waiting this entire time like those i'm not going to nominate eight mile as best soundtrack okay and i guess that's something that we will talk about is what your 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 favorite soundtracks are we can talk to your favorite songs that were featured in a movie like i said we, we started referencing the jazz singer which is the first movie to feature audio and of course there's a music in there but the whole idea of what we know of as a soundtrack, which is a movie that essentially had an accompanying album that go, it does go back to Disney. And even though we're not going to talk about Disney, we're, we're not doing, we're doing our listeners a disservice by at least not, you know, by not referencing the fact that Snow White and the Seven Dwarves is what kickstarted all of this. And, you know, circa 1937, the hi-ho song, right? I mean, and I know there's a couple other songs in the, what, like the whistle while we work, right? But sure. soundtracks as what we know of today, it all goes back to Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. So shout out to that. And um, yeah, so I just wanted to reference that, even though we're not going to be talking about 
in but our you discussion. Me interested. I want to hear about it now. But well, I think to take it to where I want to go was a lot of the first CDs I would buy were Disney soundtracks. Mm-hmm. You know, it was the Little Mermaid soundtrack on on a disc or, uh, you know, whatever the cassette tape was, you know, or, the, you know, a lot of those early soundtracks or The Lion King or something like that were a lot of those. But then all of a sudden, every movie needed to have an album and a soundtrack. So I think we should start with maybe one of the best. Let's talk about Forrest Gump. Okay. I think that that is what I think of. Like when I'm thinking about a, a soundtrack to a movie, who directed Forrest Gump, by the way? Uh, Robert Zemeckis. Oh, kudos to him. He did. You know, well, kudos to whoever he hired to be the uh, sound, you know, the sound person, right? Like we're talking about the people with the music. Right. Um, but one thing I thought was the coolest when I started thinking about that album for music was how like the music tells the story because you don't hear Bob Dylan in the early ones. You hear Elvis Presley in the early ones. You hear Credence Clearwater Revival in the later ones, you know, like so as the song get older, so does Forrest Gump. So like that's what's fun about whenever you actually listen to the soundtrack. Um you know, the songs go through decades, you know? And um, so that's what, when you first kind of asked me like, hey, what do you think about music albums? I'm like, that was the one that stuck out, like Forrest Gump, that's a good one. Is there a specific, I mean, other, I mean, you, I mean, you reference CCR, but is there really like a, a staple song on there that that maybe resonates with you or that you discovered because of that film that you didn't necessarily know that song, but because of that movie, that's... Mm, that's a great question. Oh man, when I think about that song, um, you know, I think there's a part, and I think my mom showed me that movie, right? Like, so she, my mom and dad liked that song, so I'd heard the songs that they listened to. But I want to say, I, who, I can't, you probably know who sings it, but it's like, to every season, turn. Oh, that's the birds, right? Yeah, the birds. Later on, I learned Eric Clapton played for the Birds. Did you know? he? I believe so. Interesting. Go, I didn't know that. I'm gonna well, I'm gonna go with it. Yeah, but, I mean, you uh, know what? Fuck it. This is podcast, yeah, and yeah, this, what, what we say is pretty much canon. Yeah, yeah, it's canon exactly. <laughs> if, it, if it goes down on Stanford Cinema, you can count it as fact. Yeah, swatting out Nick Cannon, but, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure he did. As he, but. Anyways, that's some, uh, but like, I don't know, that song always sticks out, you know? Uh, yeah. Just the wind when he's running, you know, when he's doing the jogging scene, mm-hmm. um, when he's in the helicopter and, uh, you know, heading on to Vietnam. But, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, um, yeah, uh, that was that was CCR for that one. That, the, it ain't me, it ain't me, I ain't no fortunate son. But then you got the cool scene with like uh, Elvis Presley going, do that little thing you do, man. <laughs> Show me that cool little walk. Yeah. You know? and later on, I saw him in a film, you know? But like, <laughs> here's the thing is like, if you bought the soundtrack, you got that whole song. So you, know, that's it- you know, it's interesting because you, you bring up that film and I, I remember getting that CD because uh, one thing that when that album came out, I guess it would have been like 1994, maybe 1995. I was living in Bermuda 
And my father had a buddy who, who managed a, my father, my father was friends with literally everybody. He knew somebody, he was the guy in Bermuda. He, he knew everybody and everybody knew him, but he had a friend who handled, um, I don't even know how you phrase it. Basically he was kind of like the, the warehouse guy. And anytime like CDs came in, he, he would just kind of, you know, snatch a couple or whatever. And he always, he always gifted my father different albums he, and I'll never he was forget. He was a middleman. He was a middleman. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he hooked uh, my father up with a CD. It was a double CD, as I recall, for, uh, for Forrest Gump. And I played the hell that out of it. Correct. And I had listened to the music before I saw the movie. So I knew the soundtrack before I saw the film. But my favorite song in the movie didn't even feature on the CD. And it was my introduction to the song. I had, I had heard a free bird before, but I had never heard free bird. Okay. And, uh-huh. and my introduction to free bird was Jenny basically getting all strung out and potentially, you know, like gonna like jump off the building or whatever. Yeah. Right. That yeah. was my, my introduction to that song. And when I think of when somebody says Forrest Gump soundtrack, what's the first song you think of? I think of three, I think of free bird and the damn song isn't even on the CD. And maybe it's because they couldn't get the, the licensing for it. Or maybe it's the fact that Freebird's like an 11 minute long song, but that that's, that's the, that's the song I think of when I think of that film. But again, I mean, you mentioned a lot of, a lot of good stuff. I mean, the doors is on there, you know, break on through to the other side is on that. Um, I don't know if it's only, I don't know if it's just one song by Fleetwood Mac in there or like a couple songs, but I mean, the, the movie Good does song. a great job of what just... You said, what you said, which I respect, because I understand this because I own the, the CD. It was two disc. Yeah. And, it, there, you know, both disc, there's only 12 to 13, but that's 26 songs. Like, when you're buying CDs in the 90s, you know, you get 12 to 13 songs, or there's the dual pack. Like, if it had a good album, so to transition to what I say is Days and Confuse, another top five. Now, Days and Confuse had two albums separate. You had to buy them individually. The first one was way better than the second one. <laughs> and honestly, a lot of the best scenes were not on the tracks of the album. Okay. You know, probably because of distribution rights, right? right. Or like owning the albums or like... Or maybe it was just because it was your favorite scene, but that song didn't make the album, you know. But um, Days and Confused, I think, at least in my opinion, is a top five great album song, you know. For sure. I'll transition from that to Good Morning Vietnam. Okay. I used to listen to that all the time. But what was fun about that album wasn't only the hits, but the fact that there would be these intermittents of Robin Williams actually going, good morning, Vietnam. Or it's like, like, so like there'd be this little 10 second interval of him actually going, coming to you live from Narsen and the Vanillas. Here it is. <laughs> you know, like you'd actually get these little snippets. If you actually bought the CD of good morning, Vietnam, you'd actually get a little bit of Robin Williams doing the character from it leading into the tracks. And, uh, Anyways, I I just I'd like to you know just shout out Good Morning Vietnam is a great okay. soundtrack. Okay. Because uh, it probably, you know, I don't know, it's around there. It's around yeah. that Forrest Gump genre. Yeah, for sure. You know, admittedly, I've never seen that movie from like credit to credit. I've seen the movie like bits and pieces, but I've never yet from 
from the opening scene to the final scene. I've never seen it in its entirety. I don't know if it's because I, when the movie came out, I wasn't really feeling watching a Vietnam movie at that time, or sure. if it was just a different Robin Williams from the Robin Williams I knew at that age, because I remember when that movie came out and tonally it was just not what I wanted at like, you know, my eight or nine years old or whatever I was when the time that movie came out. So as a result over the past 30 years plus, I've just never seen it from, from, you know, like I said, from the opening to the beginning, just because I, I love Robin Williams films. And if I'm, if I'm going to turn one on, I'm going to go with one of my favorites already, you know, well, but I think, I, I think a lot of comedians have to go through that. I think Adam Sandler went through that with uh, some of his films being more dramatic but Rob, did you ever listen to Goodwill Hunting's soundtrack? Oh yeah. So that's when we're like Robin Williams. So say, you know, Good Morning Vietnam. Roll it forward. He's not, you know, he still was the comedian for all that time, but he comes back with another dramatic role, and all of a sudden he's Goodwill Hunting Robin Williams. But that that's a what Van Zant film? Who who directed that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like great soundtrack. Um, that was one I played. I had a 1984 uh Mustang 2, believe it or not, four cylinder. But I played that thing night and day. That was one of those little albums that uh just kind of sat there for months, you mm-hmm. know. And it's very calm, it's very calming music, you know. Sure, but, uh, sure. anyways, just kind of roll forward back to the 90s. Uh, no, I mean, just because we went on a little bit of a Robin Williams rant, I, I. You know, I'd be remiss if I didn't at least mention my favorite Robin Williams soundtrack, which the movie never did very well. And not a lot of people have seen it. I, I think I referenced the, this movie a lot on this podcast, but it was a little movie called Club Paradise. Not great, but I love the hell out of it. And Robin Williams plays a retired firefighter that moves to the the uh, the Caribbean islands and is basically just a beach bum. And he kind of takes in part like ownership of this the struggling beach hotel resort called club paradise and the movie stars him, but also stars reggae singer, Jimmy cliff. And the movie has a lot of, a lot of reggae music. And when this movie would have came out 1986, 87, 85, thereabouts. Yeah. you know, it just it would take me back to being a kid in Bermuda and listening to the soundtrack that was basically mostly Jimmy cliff. Like, I mean, the, the great song, but he does in the movie. Uh, the Lion Awakes. He does a song, Club Paradise. But then you also have movie uh, music from like Elvis Costello in it. And then, of course, you've got the Kinks who start the movie off with Eight Man. And it's it just not a great film by any means, but it's just a Robin Williams soundtrack that I that I think of. And uh, I can listen to that. I mean, I would put that like in my top 10 uh, favorite soundtracks and not because it's fantastic, but there's this element of nostalgia that. I hear it and puts me in an instantly like great mood or reminds me of a different, different era of my life, you know, and, and being a kid on the islands and Robin, I think a lot of people can resonate this with uh, Robin Williams. He, he was kind of like for my generation, kind of like America's dad, you know, we, we all, you know, could see a little bit of our own father and Robin Williams, a little, a little kooky, a little out there, uh, mm-hmm. but generally like just a really, really good heart. And he also kind of looked like my dad. They both like were super like, furry <laughs> and uh not necessarily the tallest guys in the world i think my dad was five eight and i think robin williams was thereabouts as well but yeah so shout out to robin williams shout out to that movie 
Shout out. And do you feel like Robin Williams, who's not, a, I can't remember where he's from, but he's not from an island, right? No, no. So he came out there and figured out how to become like what, Bermudan, Jamaican? What, what island? Is this Grand Caymans? Are we talking? Uh... <laughs> so the, 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 the island in the movie was an island called St. Nicholas. And I think they actually filmed it in Hawaii. Is it a I Christmas think. movie? Pardon me? Is it a no? It's not. It's not. I mean, although that, I mean, that would make the most amount of sense. But I think it was just like a small, like fictitious island. But you know, he it's it off. he pulls it off. I, the movie might have been filmed in Jamaica. I don't know if it's uh, could have been Jamaica. It could have been Hawaii. I always just resort to thinking that all island movies are filmed in Hawaii. But shit, for all I know, it could have been in Puerto Rico. I don't know. I don't know. Sure. Um, Harold Ramis directed it, as I recall. But anyway, the movie, the movie tanked, but if you can get your hands on it, watch it. There's, there's a few good laughs and how you get Peter O'Toole. So anytime you can could see Robin Williams and Peter O'Toole, like act opposite each other, you got to do it. The thing is like, even if you don't even like where the story is going, Robin Williams is acting like somebody from the islands. So yeah, you, you can easily, you like as a historian who I am, um, you go, oh, that's what the 90s were like. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like a documentary because Robin Williams is that good of an actor. For sure. Now, okay, so we we chatted a little Forrest Gump. We've chatted a little Dazed and Confused. Now, do you have like a top five like favorite soundtracks or or like or you know, where, where do we want to go? Where do we want to take this? Obviously, we can we can chat but forever. But why don't you give me your top five? Okay. And then I'll I'll just I'll just harshly judge them. Okay. You know, like for our critics, and then the people can comment if I missed anything. So I'm gonna do my top five. Okay. But I'm just gonna let you know one is gonna be is gonna violate your rule, but I don't care because I, I have to put it on there because it's my favorite soundtrack, period. Full stop. If you wanna put Braveheart number one, you can <laughs> Um, I mean, that, that, that's, that's a good one. It's a good one, but I'm, ta- I'm, 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 I'm struggling on my number five. So my number five will come. We can do a draft. We can do a draft. Where um, you and I both pick. All right. So here's my top four. And then I'll let you know, you know, the, the 30 or 40 films that might make my, my number five, but my number four okay. All right. is. Certain, certainly one that you already know will be on here because, you know, I, I, I talk about this album all the time and that would be the singles soundtrack. Sure. Awesome soundtrack. Great yeah, songs. Very much. If you were someone of the 90s, you definitely love the single soundtrack because you had Pearl Jam, you had Alice in Chains, you had Smashing Pumpkins, Paul Westerberg, uh, Jimi Hendrix, um, would a you bunch say, of other artists that I can't think of off the top of my would head. Would you say because the soundtrack for singles is better than Reality Bites, it makes singles a better movie than Reality Bites? Um, that's an interesting like, question. Is I think kind of like the overweighing. You know, something that I would always love that I, you know, and granted it's my podcast, so I, I can do this. I would love to do a, um, for lack of a better term, like a celebrity death match, like a this or that. You basically pair two movies that are similar and you choose this one or this one. Like you, you can only choose one. Now, I would choose, even though, even though, and this is very, very tough for me to say, 
even though reality by reality bite stars my girl Winona Ryder, I'm taking singles. I'm taking singles. I think it has a better ensemble cast. I think the story structure is more unique. I think Cameron Crowe really does a great job of he he knows the story that he's trying to tell, and I think he does it a very a very very good job. Reality Bites is great, right? I, th- I think it's very very enjoyable. Different setup, obviously. That movie takes place in Texas, like Houston. I think is where Reality Bites takes pl- takes I place. That's where, that's where I was thinking about. Like Seattle in that time was such a cooler place than Texas mm-hmm. was. Mm-hmm. Now Houston and, was, and it did come out. It did come out first. I mean, there. These are movies that get lumped together, but they're so entirely different on the stories that they're trying to tell, right? I mean, Reality Bites are is literally telling the story of people that had just graduated college and they're now out in the world. Reality Bites, it's not as easy. You're now an adult, right? I mean, that's what this story is really trying to talk about. Where singles has Eddie Vedder. Singles does have Eddie Vedder. It does Ooh, have also I mean, feature movies like I Am Sam, you know, <laughs> vocally. Chris Cornell <laughs> is in singles as well. Exactly. Um, and there's another sing. There's another singer in the movie that I can't that uh, that has an acting part. Well, shit. Even Lane Staley, ha- you know, you can see him. Um, but anyway, and it, what was Andy dead by then? The um, no, I mean he was singing. Of- he they they were at a concert and he was there, but. The, the whole idea of singles is obviously a film just about dating and relationships and specifically how it ties in into the music scene and all these people. It actually kind of predates Friends in many ways. And Friends is the Friends the TV show is very much inspired by the by the film singles. I think you can look at how MTV looked at that as a markable way to make movies, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Like, well, maybe that's. You know, it wasn't the 80s with John Hughes. It was singles or, you know, it, you know, whatever movie it was. Right. It was the jazz singer, right? We talked about it earlier. But, it, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the idea of, like, you know, having a good soundtrack. Spider-Man 3, Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man 3 had a good soundtrack. Okay? Right. Godzilla had an okay soundtrack. with oh, God. <laughs> you know? Dude, they had the Wildflowers. It was all, like, cover songs we're not going to talk about the wallflowers doing heroes. We're not going to do it. I don't know if we ever talked about it. I don't people know if we're listen to the other ones here. That story. Have we, have we, have we told that, that, that story? You we, told that story. Okay. We go back. Okay. If you don't know the story, it's on a, it's another previous episode. And if you still can't find it, hit me up on, on Twitter or Facebook or, you know, uh, Instagram. Okay. We've all been there. But so that's my number four, my number three is a movie that came out just a tad later, completely different type of film tonally, but that would be The Crow, The Crow soundtrack. I was curious if you're going to bring this up. Mm-hmm. I think it deserves, like when you're talking top five, it kind of does deserve to be on the list, mainly because STP, <laughs> and that song you can't find on another album. It's only on The Crow album, but the scene that it sets up in the movie. But this is one of those things that's like only movies like The Dark Knight can understand how when you have somebody die and rest in peace, all these people like somebody die on set, your your movie portrays a different environment to it. And in both both films, and I guess in a way, like I want to compare The Crow and The Dark Knight is like dark films and how they were embracing these things. Um, but 
that song, uh, that scene, that movie, as good as it is, I also want to put it as the one of the most overrated <laughs> soundtracks of all time. Wow. Yeah, so I, I do want to say that. That's fine. Now, for for my personal taste, and I think the, the Stone Hill Pilot song is great, but where that song gets me, when that movie came out, I would have been, you know, again, 14, 15 years old. And that was at the height when I had discovered The Cure. And The Cure opens up the song, uh, opens up the album, the song Burn, which is just very, very deep, very jarring. And it's just a great song to start off an album. And then you had Nine Inch Nails covering a, an old Joy Division song. You had a myriad of other, other bands. but So it's very, very dark. And in my own teen angst of that, of that area, and I wasn't, like necessarily, I wasn't necessarily like a depressed kid. But again, the movie came out at the right time for my own tastes. So... And I very, think very I, influential I, for me. I think I probably viewed it a bit too young because it is when you look at the what happens within the film, it's very graphic and dark. Well, it's not it's not a, it's not an uplifting film in, in most well, ways. Yeah. If, if you thought it was a Marvel film, he's not a superhero. You know, but like um, but also I, I wouldn't have known those acts, you know, was like, I guess grunge was a big act for me so like scp was the the way i remember the film like when the guy gets in the car he's like you're strapped in you get the you know like mm-hmm. uh man like it's a cool scene but you also get the really man the toughest scene in the movie is the junkie scene right whenever he's grabbing her arm and squeezing the poison out of her veins mm-hmm. all it like it's a it's a rough tough movie uh yeah. um but the the soundtrack i guess uh, if you want to talk about like what makes a good movie the soundtrack like does that play a part of it like that movie sets a tone yeah, i guess I mean, that's what we're getting to yeah i think i think there is definitely something i mean a good soundtrack can make a a kind of a kind of can make a, a man movie into something more enjoyable right it definitely can and that's right. I th- anybody can put out the top 10 and have a shitty movie. Right. Right. <laughs> like anybody can play uh, the top 10 of last week and have a shitty movie. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, but how do you incorporate it? Uh? Right. Um, and I'm sure there are plenty of films that have great, great soundtracks and the film is shitty, but you'll go back and watch it because of, of, of the soundtrack. And, you know, so good music can definitely play a major, major part. I mean, I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of Baz Luhrmann's interpretation of Romeo and Juliet that came out in the nineties, but I sure as shit love that soundtrack. I mean, it's incredible soundtrack. Love me, love me, say love. I mean, you, sure you've got that, but you also had, uh, what was the name of the song by Radiohead? Was it called talk show host? The bow, 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 bow. Like just such a great, great song. Dude, that, um, that is probably going to be a rewatchable movie because honestly, the art that goes through like the best they wear, the guns they have, mm-hmm. like, there's a lot of art, like in, neither of us are from the West Coast. So I imagine there's a lot of West Coast influence that's going on that we don't understand. But 
like all of a sudden you see Paul Rudd like doing this little, like little flamingo thing to Claire Danes and stuff like that. It it could be a fun movie to rewatch. Yeah, man. you know what? And maybe I should. Maybe I should revisit that because I probably haven't seen it. And since I guess I saw the movie theater, I think I think I was very turned off when I first saw it because I'm like, what the hell are they doing to Romeo and Juliet? I think it's cool that it's modernized. But I think my biggest takeaway was the very ending where they look at each other. I'm like, I don't remember that from the play. I can't believe they did that. I just remember being kind of turned off. But I was like 15 or 16 years old. And I think I I think I thought I knew everything there was to know about Romeo and Juliet. And but that was a lifetime ago. Right. So I think I will revisit that. But, you know, the the Romeo and Juliet soundtrack, I think, is fantastic. Um, Not on my top five, but we just brought that in. My number two to kind of segue and also shout out on the crow because uh, the crow also had the Jesus and Mary chain who were, who were a band that I really loved at the time. Also Regents machine were on that soundtrack and helmet. But anyway, number I guess, two, I guess before that, that kind of reminds me, I don't have a, I don't have a top five, but I'm trying to think of is the Eddie Vedder song from uh, the movie he made. Damn it. Why can't I think of it? Was it the Into the Wild film? Thank you. That <laughs> album, that is the album I want to talk about, but I want to talk about it later because, yeah, man, dude, dude, every time I travel around the world, I have the iPod, right? And it, it basically dies all the time, but like I like charge it up. And just, but some of my favorite albums to listen to is the End of the Wild album because when I'm traveling around, I want a bus or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, that one makes me feel good. That and uh whenever you see the movie and you don't feel so good anymore. I don't watch the movie. Why would I ever watch the movie? I also think it's cool that he did the entire album. Yeah, yeah, no, it was a great album. And the movie's good. It's actually a really good book, too. Um and you had, think so? I heard the guy died like 12 miles from a pickup place. He just yeah, I mean, that, it's you know, one of those sad things that can happen. You know, people were so close to Finding help. And this is somebody that thought he had it all together. But anyway, I mean, there's a conversation maybe have about about that story. But anyway, um, number two, train spotting. That's my number two on there. Okay. So now that you bring up train spotting, I want to bring up British influence within movies. Okay. So Cruel Intentions was brought up. It's like, <laughs> I love their sweet symphony. Mm-hmm. But I also want to talk about train spotting. Great album, but it's Tell me, tell me your top five songs from Train Spotting, please. Okay. Uh, so Train Spotting, we would have. Um, so that was New Order that did that song. Obviously, Lust for Life. Um, Night Clubbing. I'm a big fan of uh, Night Clubbing. Who's that? That's not. That's yeah. Uh, Iggy Pop. Um, let's see. Obviously, Born Slippy, which was was that Underworld that did that song. Uh, what else do I love on that song? I know there's a song from Blur on there. Um, I, I said Train Spotting. Train Spotting was done by Primal Scream. I love that. That's just like a whole like instrumental piece. Temptation was the song by New Order that I love. Of course, I mentioned Nightclub and uh, Lust for Life. Um, Born Slippy, Underworld. Those are my my top five. And of course, I did love uh, Deep Blue Day, Brian Eno. And I think there was a, um, a Lou Reed song, Perfect Day, 
just a perfect day was on that but we can we can talk more british influence but yeah i just wanted to um list some of my favorite tracks on that album because i i think it's just pound for pound one of the best soundtracks and i think it's also one of the most underrated soundtracks because the movie was such a cult phenomenon and it came out around no i say around like you know maybe a year or so later but around the same time as pulp fiction and they both deal with heroin and so that was a time where heroin was was kind of like very much in the in you know it, you know there was this whole thing with bob dole talking about like drugs being um glorified and and video games and and so like the whole drug uh, war on drugs in of the 1990s was very 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 popular among uh, conservatives to talk about so movies like train spotting kind of were lost in that or kind of focused on that so they as a subsequent uh casualty they've been kind of forgotten because they were kind of lumped into something specific on a very very timely element i know train spotting in particular was actually censored like it, there's a different copy in the uk than there is in the us is there i didn't know that it's basically just because in the UK you could see Yomagur's dick. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, you know you gotta do what you gotta yeah. do. You know, America's you know fending on Protestants and uh, Buddhism sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, and, it, and honestly, maybe this is something we gotta talk about one day, but we don't have to. Honestly, don't don't judge us for this. But like how the film industry, the film industry does kind of censor people, and they censor what you're able to do or what you're able to play yeah yeah i mean i mean shit there is a whole yeah, I mean, that that would be an entire episode just about, that's a different one that's a different yeah one. i mean there would be a whole episode about censorship and that might be a that would be that might be a fun episode to do is just to talk about censorship but for today we're going to continue to talk about music and here's my number one and i'm sorry for putting this one on there because it violates your rules but fuck it i don't care this is my show i'm putting purple rain on there because i think it is the best soundtrack ever because i'm not surprised i think it deserves to be on there thing is i think it deserves to be a a top five um album just in general well here's the thing is do you ever do you ever go back and watch the movie it's funny that you bring that up now if memory serves this movie came out in 1984 85 and it came out around the same time that Ghostbusters was out. And I'm, I'm, I'm not double checking, I'm not fact checking this, but I bring this up because my, when my parents were separated, my, my mother would uh, take us over to the movie theater because one of my aunts managed a movie theater. And because my mom had to work throughout the day and everything. So I remember watching movies all summer and I watched Ghostbusters dozens upon dozens of times. But another movie that was playing in the theater at the time was Purple Rain. And part of the reason why I saw Ghostbusters so much was because I was told I can't see Purple Rain uh, because there, there was nudity in the album, in the, in the film, rather. Wasn't there nudity in one of the Ghostbusters? No, no, no. I mean, you see Dana Barrett kind of like sexed up a little bit. But I mean, in uh, Purple Rain, you see Apollonia's boobs, right? But... So I, di- I didn't see it. I didn't see it for years. And when I finally did see it, I saw it on VH1 when I was like in high school, just because of the fact that it was just a movie that I wasn't allowed to see. 
And so mm-hmm. I, I saw Purple Rain probably like on VH1 when they would have shown it, like when I was like, again, like 14, 15 years old. I haven't seen the movie. I haven't seen the movie really in my adulthood. Uh, I remember I remember moments of the film, but I, I certainly know. I certainly know the. The songs and I, I know the music videos, but but again, I mean, this is kind of why this episode's really important is because of the fact that we we can place a time in our lives where we either a saw a movie or recognize music from a film. And even though these two movies aren't tied together at all, when I think of Purple Rain, I think of this Madonna song, which uh, the song is called Live to Tell, which was in this movie called At Close Range, which stars both Sean and uh, Chris Penn and Christopher Walken. And are you talking about Sean Penn from the Into the Wild? Sean Penn, <laughs> the guy of Sam, Eddie Better. Exactly. There you go. That connection. I guess now would be a great time to do our fun little segue. Hey, John, what you what you drinking tonight? Well, tonight I'm drinking some Glenfiddich. 1915 from the Scotland Holland. And uh oi oi oi. Oi oi oi. Okay. But I'm drinking out of my uh my old mug from the uh 2000 uh 2002 state playoffs. All right. Yep. All right. Yep. Yep. Still so some little ice in the barrel. Yeah, that's okay. Nothing wrong with that. If you're if you're a Scotch drinker, what I've found and I'm I might be wrong. I'm not. I'm. I'm big young in the Scotch game, but what I like to think is like, you get a cup, you put ice in it, you put scotch in it, and you just keep putting scotch in it because, like, as you drink, the ice dissolves, but you drink more scotch, so like it kind of evens out longer. <laughs> you get better drink. So you, you know, <laughs> cool whiskey. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I don't know. It's just thought. Just thought. Just thought. It's a good thought. It's a good thought. I don't know. I am I with the wrong thought. You you drink a lot of whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do. I do like my whiskey. Aberdeen 2026, everybody. Stamper and Roar are gonna be in Aberdeen 2026. 2026. Ah. There we go. We're, yeah. we're going to Scotland. I know, that's yeah, yeah. It's like four years from four now. Years. We can make everybody. Yeah. We're we're yeah. all going to Scotland. All right. If you if I'll you want in, I'm gonna be there. Reach yep, out to let's us. Do it. But uh, be there, be there. All right. But for me, because it's March, I'm I'm doing my whiskey, but I'm not doing scotch. I'm doing a little Irish whiskey. So tonight I'm doing Red Breast 15, um, which is which is lovely and delightful. But do you have what's the difference between Irish whiskey and Scotch whiskey? Is it the pea? Oh man. Well, that is uh is it- that's a conversation. Hey, this, this will be the like intermission. This will be the intermission between our next segment. Sure. But well, you cut it out if you don't. No, no, mind. no, no, no. If, I think whatever. Yeah. If people, it feels like brisket. Like if it's some shit ass brisket, <laughs> I've got that shit on out. I mean, we're over forty five minutes in. If somebody's still listening, I'm sure they don't mind a two minute advertisement talking about whiskey. So, really, the big difference between classic Irish whiskey and your traditional single malt scotch is really how it comes down to with a lot of now Ireland, they do single malt as well, but what Ireland are really known for or what they call a pot still. And that is essentially where they take malted and unmalted barley and they triple, uh, they triple distill it. So you get a different, a different flavor profile. 
where a lot of your single malt that is single malted barley, right? Where a pot still you're you're getting you're getting a little mash of unmalted barley as well. So the flavor will taste a little bit different. You'll get some different notes, but in Ireland you can still get single malt. But the preferred method of whiskey in Ireland is what they call the pot still. And part of the reason why that is goes back to how the English were taxing the Irish centuries ago and for the the rate of like malted barley, you know, it, it, it would cost more. Right. So what they would do if they, if they wanted to make it is essentially they would take kind of like a hybrid and it's not a blend because a blend is something entirely different. That's where you take, you know, whiskey from one distillery and whiskey versus another distillery and you kind of blend that together. Right. Or, uh, from different regions and you blend that, but for a pot still, it's all in one single, single pot, right? But it's just that hybrid of that malted and unmalted. And they have to distill it three times to kind of clean well, out that. Let me cut you off for a quick second. Do you think the glass adds anything to it? When people talk to you about it and they pour it on in, like I've been there a couple of times in whiskey factories and it's like, hey man, you got to do it this way and it, you know, hit your nose the right way. Right. So with your... I mean, it, it can yeah. now like your, your real like whiskey glasses, they call it a Glencairn, right? And the way that it's kind of. The Karen, okay. you talked about Karen and started to cut you off again. Karens are good things. They're not bitches or gay people. <laughs> <laughs> cool with Karens. Uh, John, do you That's know anybody? John, do you know anybody named Karen? That's my mom's <laughs> name. You should back the fuck up. All right. Well. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you. Uh, that concludes part one of our episode. We are going to now move into the back half where we have talked about my top four just for the sake of time. I'll say my number five, and it's still very much up for debate, but I'm going to say, I'm going to say Garden State. I'm just going to say Garden State because when that album came out, it I remember when I saw it for the first time, I remember thinking about how that how the music really enhanced that film. Because I, you know, to be perfectly honest, I don't think that movie is all that great. I enjoy it, but I think part of the reason why that movie has had such a lasting impression on me, and this ties back into a conversation we had before, is because of how strong the music is in that movie. Yeah, maybe that's how we should judge music within film. Does it, you know, like, does it, is it better than the movie? Are the songs better than the movie is? In the case of Garden State, I would say yes, substantially. And, you know, shout out to Zach Braff for, you know, writing this, writing this screenplay and getting this movie made on a very, very small budget. And it's, it's maintained to have legs for years and years and years. And I think the biggest part of it is because of that soundtrack, right? I mean, there's some iconic moments in that film. And part of the reason why they're iconic are because of the, the, the backing, backing tracks that are happening during during those key moments and so yeah yeah yeah. i think i think in that case it certainly does help it now thank you that was my top five i know you didn't necessarily have a top five but if there's any other natural call outs that you want to talk anything that you want to talk about i do want to say before we go anywhere i do want to talk about montages because montages obviously like movie like music montages were huge in the 80s and i know you've got some favorites and I also want to talk about like favorite your your favorite songs featured in in films. I okay, so you're talking about in a 
within a film because number one, there are montages that used to come out with videos like Paramount, but uh, within a film, Rocky, of course, that's a good one. Oh, we're going to talk. We're going to talk some Rocky because I've got something to say about uh, montage. In fact, that'll I I, th- I think I'm going to have a couple trivia questions for you, and we w- and we're going to have some Rocky on there. But oh, do you do you got some trivia questions for me then? Huh? I, I think so. I think. Okay. Let me look at my notes. All right, then, Lassie, let's go. Oh, do we want to do? Well, okay. We'll 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 do we'll do some trivia questions. Okay. So we've been talking about movie soundtracks, right? What do you know? Can you name? I'll I'll just get through the top ten. How many? Like the. Let me rephrase the question. What is the most successful movie soundtrack of all time? Titanic. Ti- because the movie hit a billion dollars. So Titanic had a one hit wonder. <laughs> Titanic. Well, I would hardly say that it was a one hit wonder. Home Celine Dion's had several hits. Tell me your second best hit. Tell me your second best hit, Andrew. My second best. Oh, well, Titanic, by the way, was number three. Oh. Um, well, tell me Celine Dion's next best song. Uh, it's all coming back to me. <laughs> are you? I, I think that's the name of the song. Are you confused? I, but, I, I, just, okay, I so, don't know her music, but I know that she's had she's had tons of hits. But I think the I think the song is called. Like I didn't grow up in Canada. I grew up in America. <laughs> okay, Faithhill has better hits than she does. So. <laughs> Number, Dude, Winnie Houston, the bodyguard. Okay, that's it. That's that's your number one. That's, that's your number one. Yeah, Whitney Houston, bodyguard. Man, honestly, I was listening to Whitney Houston the other day, and she it was on the radio. But she was like, "I want to dance with somebody." It's like this is a better song than you know. Like this is Whitney Houston. Like yo, like I love Whitney Houston from the Bodyguard. And I love Kevin Costner. I know you do. And I like that. Like, made that role. But it is not like it is different. Like um, that song was monumental. I mean, it, I mean, I remember my sister went through a breakup shortly after that movie came on, came out. And I want to say for like a good five hours, my sister played I Will Always Love You, like on a repeat. Sorry, oh, Rebecca. Sure. I don't mean to, you know, share your stories, but I'll never forget her being really sad one day. And every like three minutes would go by and I would hear. And I. Hey, all right. So I got a question for you. What was that song for you? It didn't have to be from a movie, but did you ever get broken up with been driving home and you heard a song in the radio going like, damn it, you identify with me too much. Oh, maybe I haven't mentioned this, but yeah, I'll shout it out. Uh, I think she may or may not listen to the podcast, but I was broken up. Well, I was broken up a few times in my life, but eighth grade, Sheree, you know who you are. Uh, I was broken up at Melissa something or another's birthday. And it was right after hearing Guns N' Roses' November Rain. So I cannot listen to... Good fucking, good fucking It's a good song. song, but I can't listen to November Rain without thinking of Shrey breaking, uh, breaking up with me. That's, yeah, so that's that's the song. But that's not like a morning song. Well, I mean, it's a morning song, but it's not a... Uh, I, I didn't... Because I, I, I wouldn't play that song. Um, there wasn't... When I, when I broke up with any... Or when I was broken up, I didn't hear... I have to listen to a song for... 
for a period of mourning. Uh, I'm trying to think. Um, but I mean, there, there are tons of, of songs that have definitely influenced me. Like I think of a, a girl that I dated for a while and, you know, I, I was always kind of sad how our relationship ended. And so that's, that's, uh, that's dreams by Fleetwood Mac. I think of, I think, of, I think of her when I hear dreams by Fleetwood Mac uh, and even Rihanna so for me, that matter. Let me go to this. Was there a character in a movie that had a soundtrack that you identify with most? A character that... Uh, John Cusack? Well, you know? I mean, John Cusack, I mean, in your eyes, uh, obviously great, great. I'm glad that we did bring that up. I mean, John Cusack himself in a lot of his films, like his, you know, whether it was Gross Point Blank, iconic soundtrack, um, it, um, song, Say Anything yeah. was really great. Uh, shit, I can't believe... High Fidelity was another one with a really great soundtrack. Yeah. He's, he's been in some films with some good soundtracks, but yeah, again, and in your eyes, say anything that wasn't even John Hughes film. That was, that was another Cameron Crowe uh, film. And Cameron Crowe did singles. He did, Oh my God. Uh, Vanilla sky. The, the ending of that movie, when Tom Cruise figures it all out and you've got the, you've got the beach boys, good vibrations playing on in the background. Like sure. just, Cameron Crowe, he he did that movie Elizabethtown. I never saw that, but I think that movie had a, a pretty decent soundtrack too. And he did Fast Times at or he at least wrote Fast Times at Ridgemont High. You know, Andrew, I think almost famous. Me, I think I can wrap it up this way. I think another question I want to ask you. Okay, and and is in no particular. It's the Mount Rushmore, the top five. You know, you can you know make it any way you want, but. The people who influence music and movies, the John Hughes, the, you know, Wes Anderson's, the Guy Ritchie's, mm-hmm. the guys mm-hmm. who are on the, you know, but and it could also be the music director. Uh, Tarantino. Or the, yeah. So who are them on your Mount Rushmore or five or six, you know, you have plenty of leeway. Who, who are the people who influence music within movie? If you could give a, a hall of fame too yeah uh man it's so tough because i mean you 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 listen you you already listed wes anderson and his films have a different different type of music but uh i I love the music in his films a lot of the times when it's his films i'm introduced to music that i wasn't very familiar with same thing with quentin tarantino you know i i I knew very little of, of 70s music you know and He's always been iconic. Um, Reservoir Dogs, one of the one of the greatest soundtracks ever, which I have on my, my my top ten list. Pulp Fiction was great, but I'll still take Reservoir Dogs over over that. But Wes Anderson, uh, shit, um, Rushmore was a great soundtrack. Royal Tenenbaums, iconic soundtrack. I know he did. Scorsese, right? Like he does, like Goodfellas, right? I mean, shit. Um, Those directors create great music mm-hmm, within mm-hmm. their themes. Yeah, and um, I, I still think, for my personal tastes, you know, I don't know if I can answer it. I really don't know. I because I, I think my tastes are all over the spectrum. And I, I do know that I would put Wes Anderson 
on a top 10. I would put Pulp Fiction or rather uh, Quentin Tarantino in a top 10. I would put yeah. Cameron Crowe films in a top 10. Uh, it's fun. It, it's like when I was a kid, I used to imagine winning a, mail, a million dollars. I, and I used to buy, like in my mind, I used to go and buy a 1966 Mustang. <laughs> like, but like, like if I was a you know, guy with a million dollars, I'd be like, let me get me some uh, John Williams in the background, right? You know, even though John Williams doesn't actually play great music, man. But like, uh, he does play great music. But uh, that's that's the way I'd play it. Just I'd bring in guys like, dude, Guy Ritchie brought all the hits. He brought in American influences. You'd hear guys like when you watch Snatch, like you'd hear got like it's you know bah, get down to be the boss. It's James Brown. Yeah, you get to James hell. Brown. <laughs> get. Pay the calls to be the balls, you know, but like that's a cross of influence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's fun to hear that. All right. Here we go, sir. We're going to start with the, the final section because of the fact that this is going to tie into if we're doing a, a soundtrack episode, there are a few things we have to cover. Number one, and you feel the love tonight. Well, there you go. I mean, that that's certainly on there. But you said no, no Disney. That's all right. I've, I've got, I've got stuff that isn't Disney, and begins Pretty with begins. Kenny, motherfucking Loggins. Loggins. Yeah, yeah. But you knew this was gonna happen. I, I do it was. I do. Give give, give you a little give you a little whiskey. Here's, and... the, here's the question to you. Mm-hmm. Would you rather be Iceman or Maverick? Iceman. You would. Mm-hmm. All right, man. He was the best, right? He won. Right. He won the Academy. I mean, Goose died, but whatever. I guess he was the best. He was the best. I'm curious to see what's going to happen next year to find out. You, what they, saw the way he, you saw the way he didn't take that shot and blew smoke in Maverick's face and <laughs> killed Goose. Dude, Iceman killed Goose, okay? No, he did not. That's the number. What? Dude, what? Dude, his exhaust, man, dude. I mean, he, dude, Maverick had the shot, dude. Maverick had the shot. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, so, Kenny Loggins, here's a question for you. Has written music for how many films i'll just say 23 i'm gonna go 23 how about this i will reframe it he's written the music for three four six or ten a b series three a b four c six six is correct can you name how many can you name for kenny loggins so these are different these different different films yeah Oh man, how many can I name? Six. I got six to go. Well, highway to the danger zone, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's one. He also did um, playing with playing with Rift of Boys. Yeah. yeah, so that was also Top Gun. So that's number one. All right, let's just sing them out. Sing them out, and I'll go with it. Okay, I'll give you the. I'll, how about this? Okay, this will be fun. I will yeah. sing the song, or I'll tell you the song title, and you tell me the movie. Well, how about you tell me the song, and I'll try to sing it. Okay, <laughs> I'm all right. I'm all right. That's Kenny Shack. Nobody worry about me. Don't need to find me some time. Come on, let me be. Yeah, I'm all right. All right. That's 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 correct. Um, Footloose. 
It's only because they've been different than Footloose, okay? The, my favorite scene of Footloose is the guy with Kevin Bacon, the man he gets in the tractor scene. But you I get know, that. Holding, like, out for, holding out for a hero. Yeah, I know. Holding out for a hero, man. Yeah. But Footloose, I'm, you know, like. But I yeah, gotta cut loose. Cut loose, foot loose. Yeah, but my favorite scene in that entire movie I want people to know about is the tractor scene. Anybody wants to try to play chicken with me with the tractor? I'm coming for you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you already did Top Gun. How about this one? This one is a deep cut. Meet okay. me halfway. Is it Tarzan? No. Oh shit. Is Meet me halfway. Nice? I'll get. I'll, the only clue I'm going to give you: putting the hat on backwards. Meet me halfway in arm wrestling. Oh, dude, that's over the top. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, meet me halfway. Well, that's over the top. Yeah. Right. What, what else did I say? Well, I'm, no, I was just gonna see if you if you know how that song went. You're they, not gonna they, they great. You're very good at um, you know, hits. Thank you. Thank you. Now, this one you probably are not gonna get. If you do, I'll be really, really surprised. But the song is called For the First Time. For the first time, I don't know, man. The movie's, the movie's one. The movie's called One Fine Day. Nope. Yeah, no. me neither. Didn't yeah, know it. Yeah. yeah All right. What year, um, what, what year did it come out? That was a '90s song. I think that one. I think that one had like George Clooney in it. Like I think it was like George Clooney and Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah. I don't know. Somebody I'm, good could have told me that was the Chevy Chase movie with Jonathan Taylor Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> like, like it was in that movie like, be like yeah it was a, you know you did that one and then anyway. lastly this song is called nobody's fool wait nobody's fool no nobody's fool. how about this the movie is another way of uh, another a line in the song is i'm going all the way caddyshack 2 i i missed it man you know you know what I was really sad about? After listening to some of your interviews, I wish I would watch Police Academy 2, 3, and 4 more. Mm. Like, those are the ones where you're like, investing interest in the crew's getting bigger. I'm going to go back and watch them. You should. Lance Kinsey, man. Dude, that guy's a G, man. Yeah, he's great. He was great. Proctor loved him. So that was that was Kenny Loggins. Now we are going to transition into montages and then one? Rocky. Pardon me. Was that only question one? No, no. Well, I mean, that was we're we're just doing sections, buddy. We're we're doing sections. So we're going to talk montages because I have to talk about montages because of how big they were in. Okay. How, how music, you know, in, in the 80s was like the decade of music montages, right? So Footloose, you, you had that. You had Rocky IV. Um, you had movies like Karate Kid, The Best Around, right? You remember that song? Sure. You're the best. Oh, Brian. Well, I think what you're talking about is like how every movie had a theme song, right? Right. Like, what's the theme song? Hey, your movie ain't shit unless you got a theme song. Mm-hmm. But even though, like, Karate Kid, oh, I mean, what was their theme song? Like, I know what. The, the best Rocky, round. Yeah, that's a good one. Not your right. But, like, <laughs> Rocky, underrated, learn to fly. And it's really tone-based, like, learn to fly now. Right. Rising high now. 
but yeah, that was right. I mean, the 80, especially with like kind of like that pump you up anthem, right? I mean, because obviously Rocky did it in every single film, Karate Kid, the best around. Fucking Teen Wolf had Win in the End, which was huge. Yeah, that was uh, one, yeah. Um, a little movie that that we had Andre Gower on last year, and that was the uh, Monster Squad. And the song in that is Rock Until You Drop, which was uh, from that. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any other pump. The, the movie Real Genius had a couple montages. In fact, one of the songs was called Number One, another one's uh, called I'm Falling. But two I uh, two montages on there. And if you can think of any, great. But I really want to spend a couple minutes talking about Rocky because, you know, this is kind of like my on. All I'm hearing in my head right now is rising up, back in the streets, took your time, took your chances. Now, which that's Rocky? Thinking, man. I have a tiger, man. That's, that's which Rocky three. was that? Oh, man, that's three. Rocky on, three. Man. Yes, Mr. G coming out. Dude, he killed Mick that day, dude. Mm-hmm. Dude, he fucking Mick, man. But, uh, you know, that's the way it goes. I think what Creed was... brought him in. You know, that's cool. Creed. <laughs> what What was your favorite of of all the the Rocky songs? So obviously, you mentioned. Oh, like... man. Hearts on Fire, dude. Rocky Ford. <laughs> dude, whenever he's picking up that, uh, the, the, you know, the rocks, basically, in a wheelbarrow, you know, <laughs> it's on wheels. But he's like, Drago, hearts on fire, come desire, now and you this but uh, you know, maybe Young Guns should get a, a shout out a little bit, huh? Like, maybe the movie Young Guns starts out like, and they just start shooting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't meant to say it's not that. Maybe I mean another Emilio Estevez film. Uh, not as popular. Uh, Breakfast yeah. Club, obviously. Uh, what was that? Oh my god! What was the the it was Carla DeVito was the name of uh, the singer. Um, Who's the janitor? Pardon me? Who's the janitor? That would be uh, John Kapalos. John Kapalos really? is the janitor in Back to the Future. I mean, Breakfast Club, rather. Um, we Are Not Alone. That was the name of the song from Breakfast Club. But yeah, the janitor. Um, love that guy. That guy was cool, man. He, he just seemed like he knew what was going on. Like all these dudes were just chilling, and he was like, "I don't give a shit." What's What's incredible, just because you brought you brought up uh, John Capelos in, in in a very in a deleted scene, he he shreds the kids apart. You know, like right when he's like, oh, "By the way, you know that clock's like you know twenty minutes fast or whatever." He's like, yeah. "I am the eyes and ears of this institution." Yeah. Um, before he says that. Or maybe right after he says what each of those kids are going to do after high school. Like he's like, and you, you know, you're going to be in jail and, and you, you know, you're, you're going to have kids. Oh. Like he, he tells all the kids where they're going to be in like five years. He, he, he massacres them. And it, it's, it's quite something. I can see why they deleted it. Uh, but it's also like this janitor who, you know, uh, who, uh, Fender's kind of like pissing off. Pardon me. 
Well, I was just saying, he sees 100 people every day. He knows where they're going in line. Even though he's the guy picking them trash, it doesn't mean that he doesn't see what's going on. Exactly. Like yeah. he, he is the eyes His and ears, ears of that institution. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Just uh, to close it out, because we've talked a little montage as we talked a little Rocky. Here's your main trivia question for the evening. Okay. How many montages are in Rocky Four? I'm going to go with six. So close. Eight. Eight montages. So do you want it? Do you want me to give them to you? No. No? Okay. I don't. I'll just live. I'll just live with the defeat that they did not. Um, yeah. There's, there's eight. Well, the listeners are going to want to know. So fine. Let's tell the listeners how defeated I am. Yeah. So the movie starts off with a Rocky, like Rocky Four starts off with a Rocky Three recap. That's how like the and the eighties were notorious for doing that, like giving you like a little montage of how like a on the recap. Working on the recap on the main video. Yeah, like the movie just started. You're giving me a recap already, like opening scene, and you're seeing show me how the last one uh, ended. I'm curious cool. how you're calling it. You're going to call the montages of the last movie on the new movie. Well, yeah, because that was literally a montage. They literally showing you clips. Did they play the entire montage, or was it just a shortened version of the montage? I mean. How do you define shorter or longer montage? Uh, a montage is a series saying, of clips. Was it the montage, or was it not the entire montage? Dude, Rocky Four is like thirty plus percent montage. What I was say is, if two of them were on the recap, then I met, then I won because I said six, you said eight, and if two of them were on the recap, then that's six. That's just, that's just one montage. I'm talking about re. I'm talking about real recaps. <laughs> So anyway, Rocky Four starts with a recap of Rocky Three, and then your next montage is the uh, Apollo and James Brown. They they have like this whole like montage going on with that. Uh, the oh my god, and you get another Rocky in America. Yeah, living in America. You get another Rocky like series recap when Rocky's in his car, like when he's all sad. Oh, you dude, get, yeah, and he's chunking his he's chunking his own bottle, dude. Did that, dude? Nah, man. Bah, 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 bah. Yeah, nah. They, nah so nah. they start the movie off by recapping Rocky three, and then like twenty minutes into the movie, they recap Rocky one, two, and three all over again. Have you ever analyzed how much is it's like Jaws for the Avenger. We're like, like there's this Russian guy who's like the shark who comes and kills the guy, and like all of a sudden, it's like this guy's gonna get get up out of his cocoon, and go kill this thing. And that, like, that might be, you know, that might be your uh, your double feature, Rocky Four and Jaws Four. When well, some ways, like people like man, in you know hypothetically in the movie industry people are going to be like yeah i got this idea it's like a uh, rocky meets jaws and uh you know all of a sudden rocky punches a shark and that's uh, a good fucking food it's a good fucking film <laughs> and we got a uh, kenny Loggins to play the soundtrack <laughs> it's pretty good you know we're gonna hit i feel I, like that i'd watch it yeah dude that's how top gun came about by that's how top gun happened <laughs> Top Gun, amazing. Oh, uh, before we leave, I also want to say uh, Dirty Dancing. Mm-hmm. Dirty Dancing had a great soundtrack. Sure did. And I honestly want to leave it that way. Love had the time of my life. 
and I owe it up to you, yeah. All right. I think I think we'll just wrap this one up. Um, part of the reason why I'm, I'm doing this episode is because, you know, I I like talking about music. There, there's this great uh, piece on Pitchfork, which go over the top 50 favorite or best soundtracks of all time. They list a lot on there. I think they have Superfly as number one. But I also reached out to some of my friends. and I wanted to give them a moment to recognize a couple people on their favorite soundtracks. So one of my friends on the old Twitter, the movie club, their favorite soundtrack is from Forrest Gump. So somebody right after your, your, uh, your own heart, Sean Coleman, favorite, favorite soundtrack goes to, uh, I guess American werewolf in London, because the other ones were like original score. So I'll, I'll say nice. that one. Let's talk about that Bush Bush all of a sudden come in with that one. America, well, no, that was no, American that's Paris. Werewolf. That's Paris. Well, Amish Machine Head, I think, was that song, right? But what happened with American Werewolf in London? Um, you had, let's see, so you had um, Moondance, you had yeah. Van Morrison singing, you had uh, Bad Moon Rising, uh, CCR. That's badass. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the character well, man. Let's see, Allie, you uh, you know from uh, Stream Lounge, her favorite soundtrack is The Big Chill, which that was great. A lot of great Motown on that one. I already mentioned Dev, whose favorite soundtrack is Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, she oh, good. respect. Now, Sandy, I don't even have to have her say it because I already know it's frozen. But uh, our, our friend Sandy, she she uh, she didn't get an answer in time, but I, I know it's frozen. That's her favorite. And I have a friend, Brooke, who's still mulling on it. So there might be a part two on this. Uh, I don't know. I think this I think this could be a whole series just talking about music because we're about 90 minutes in. There hasn't been much structure in this episode. I kind of like that. So mm-hmm. it's been a two month. It's been a two month hiatus since my previous episode. I've had fun kind of being all over and mm-hmm. I'm very, very thankful to uh, John for being here and helping helping out. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm very thankful that you've had me. Honestly, the last couple months have been crazy for me. And I have not had a chance to really, you know, sit down and talk to you. Yeah. Um, I like to. I love to. Um, and we'll talk later. But uh, thank you for just being who you are. Thank you for giving me this ability to talk to people, you know, talk to you. Um, thank you. That's all I could say. Well, no, I, I appreciate that. And and we will chat. And uh and for the listeners, you already kind of heard me at the outset, but yeah, I've, you know, I've, I've been kind of I'm not going to say I've been a, a recluse over the past couple of months, but yeah, I've, I've needed time for myself just to just process. And tonight was great, a great release, great therapy, being able to chat with, with John, who always makes me laugh, always makes me feel, feel better about who I am. Is, Likewise. Samesies. <laughs> is uh, always. Yeah. <laughs> it's always a pleasure so john thank no. you and uh we'll you know uh we'll have some more fun there might be another episode like this and we'll we'll see where it goes listeners thank you very much uh this has been a lot of fun and again thank you very much for listening as always please uh leave a review if you if you're listening to apple and 
on the Apple podcast, leave a review, read it, all that fun stuff. And if you're listening onto other platforms, if they've got a reading capability, do that. But I would love for some reviews. Shout out to those that have, that have left reviews, but you know, more is great. And thank you again for everybody that subscribes. And if you're on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Slasher, Letterboxd, whatever they are, look me up. You can find me, Stamper Cinema. I'm not hard to get a hold of. Drop me a line and let's be frenzies. And um, yeah, have a good one. And of course, you can always email me at stampercinemapodcast at gmail.com. And until next time, stay safe, everybody. And this has been Stamper Cinema. Say goodbye, John. Oh, on fire, cold desire, love is where we are, Drago. We'll see you next time. Bye, everybody.